Hey, I'm Asher. And I'm Jackson. And what you're about to listen to is strictly confidential. Hey, Asher. How's your week been? I didn't like that. Let's do that again. Hey, Asher. How's your week been? I can tell these are only going to get worse, and I should just be happy with what I have. Uh, <laughs> hey, Asher. How's I have to week? stop this now. <laughs> My week has been great, although I have gotten worse. How is that? Well, really, I need this show, Jackson. I need this show because every week I fall into some new hobby like CRTs and analog electronics that makes me more intolerable to speak to in real life. So if I don't have you and the listening audience, who is going to listen to me ramble about cathode ray tubes? I thought this was a show about mechanical keyboards where we talked about linear and tactile switches. This is like linear and tactile switches for your eyeballs. It's actually pretty similar. Okay, I'm interested. Uh, so wanting to learn more about analog electronics because it's it's fascinating because it's it's very advanced, but you can still kind of get your head around it. You know what I mean? It's uh, different than looking at like a motherboard on a computer or something and saying, I feel like some of these lines connect to each other because when you open up something like a, I mean, it's similar to a mechanical keyboard in that when I open up the mechanical keyboard, I don't know how everything works, but I can see everything as a mechanical piece. Yeah. Kind of the same satisfaction from working on cars where you don't necessarily understand thermodyna- thermodynamics, but you can understand how each piece relates to each other and what makes the car go vroom. Uh, mm-hmm. Although... CRTs kind of have a literal barrier of entry because uh, everything that I've read online is like, here's how to do something really sweet with your CRT. Don't do it, though, because you could die. You have these flyback transformers, uh, which, I mean, by the time you reach season eight, Optimus Prime is dead and flyback is taken over. And it's like the worst animated show ever. Uh, That joke didn't really pan out, but I was trying to come up with something about Flyback being a terrible Transformer. Uh, He would be powerful, though, because the Flyback Transformer can hold literally thousands of volts. And uh, when I first read that, I didn't really know what it meant until I googled how many volts could kill a person, and it's 50. So I think a part of the reason they probably put that in the how-to, and I... I was thinking about starting to write how-tos for basic things, like how to buy an Xbox controller that is as cheap looking as possible so that your (laughs) second player who came to your house and you know is better at Call of Duty has a disadvantage. Right. But now I think every time I look at any how-to or write any how-to, I'm going to add at the beginning, fair warning, you might die. Because if any how-to, so if, If I have a friend and he dies doing a thing, one of the first things I'm going to do is look at his search history to see if he Googled how to do that thing, right? Yeah, and any lawyer will tell you that you can completely circumvent any liability and responsibility just by saying up front, you might could die. So if anybody's listening and wants to do the theory that we're talking about today, you could die. We do want to say, first of all, Jackson and I are both trained professionals, do not listen to this podcast at home. Listen to this podcast at your own risk. Every podcast contains a potential to hold 1,000 volts. Which is twice as much as it takes to kill you. More than twice. But yeah, what else did you learn about CRT TVs? 
Oh, that they're way above my pay grade. What do you mean? Well, as fascinating as it was to learn about how they work, uh, I have a little CRT that's busted. I wanted to get in there and fix it, but but when you're having to like potentially adjust a super fine-tuned electromagnet, it's like, I don't get paid enough for this. Is it too late for me to go to trade school to be a VRC repairman? I really never would have thought that your passion lifelong would be to become a VRC repair repairman. I'm going to steal something from my dear friend Trevor Roberts and say, and lament, born too late to be a VRC repairman, born too early to be a post-apocalyptic VRC shaman resurrecting the technologies of old. So would you say you were looking at this around last Thursday? I would say that I looked this up around last Wednesday, but as far as I know, nothing existed before last Thursday. Isn't that right, Jackson? Yeah, it is. So today we're talking about last Thursdayism, which this is a theory that's the kind of theory I think we've all thought of independently and then completely ignored because we think, oh, that's dumb, crazy. No one else believes it. There's nothing to look into. And I say that because that's exactly how I've felt about this. Last Thursdayism is the idea that the universe was created last Thursday, but with the appearance of being billions of years old. And this this could almost be the ultimate episode of Strictly Confidential because it this is the completion. This is the full extent of the mindset that you can't prove it's not true. It's also kind of the theory that got me thinking, I kind of like thinking about these theories. Because I, for a while, thought, man, it is weird that we have all this history. And then I thought, what if all this history was fake? And then I thought, that's a dumb thought. <laughs> but I enjoyed brainstorming like how they would have possibly faked it. And coming across this as an actual theory is pretty surreal. According to Last Thursdayism, books, fossils, light already on the way from distant stars and literally everything including your memories of the time before last thursday were all formed at the time of creation last thursday in a state such that they appear much older and the reason i bring up the distant stars thing is because that comes from something called the starlight problem which is really cool basically it says that the earth must be more than the presupposed six thousand years old because most of the stars we're seeing the light of are far more than 6,000 light years away. Right. Which is really cool way to, uh, I mean, explain how old the earth is. Yeah, and it's a really quick way to debunk like literal readings of the Bible also. I, I It seems like the, this started as kind of a Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy-ass cynical dry comedy to like mock creationism, but I think there's a little more to it than that. Right, and it's... Yeah, I mean, a literal reading of the original creationism theory believes that seven straight human normal days, the Earth was created 6,000 normal human years ago. But that's not literally in the Bible anywhere. So the way they use the starlight problem here is interesting to me. They take a step and follow me with this. This quote-unquote problem actually helps with last Thursdayism because if we as mankind are believing that the earth was created 6,000 years ago with the appearance of being billions of years old, do you see where I'm getting at from this? Yeah, well, you can just take that and move it to any day, right? It doesn't have to be 6,000 years. 
What's stopping us from believing it was created several days ago with the appearance of billi being billions of years ago? Depending on when you're listening to this show, this show could have appeared with creation. Yeah, this is kind of that, and I feel like this happens more when you're a kid and you're figuring out how reality works. Uh, a lot of kids have the thought that like when you close your eyes, like the universe around you ceases to exist. And when you open them, it comes back. Uh, kind of, I guess people who uh, never really got over peekaboo with their mom and didn't really learn object permanence. But it's the same mentality of like, you can't prove it. it's not true. It kind of takes the idea of when a tree falls in the forest and no one's there to hear it, does it make a sound? And makes it say, if the tree falls in the forest and no one is there to write it down, does it exist? Yeah. It's basically taking everything that's happened and saying, well, what if it didn't? <laughs> and so there's a bunch of stuff that people have written about it. Most of it saying, hey, look at how nonsense this is. But one website uh, that makes fun of different groups of people, so we don't super love them. Yeah, that's called Fundies Say the Darndest Things, even though that is a very good name for a website. They said, last Thursdayism is false because I clearly remember events before last Thursday. It does not follow that God could have fixed our minds and experiences to make us think we only felt things before last Thursday. For example, I have a note with a date on it, Wednesday, July 15th, 2009. That would not be possible if the world was created on July 16th, Thursday, 2009. But, I mean, that completely is disputed by the fact that the base idea of last Thursdayism includes all the memories in our head. Exactly. Yeah, this person is not getting it at all. And so that's what's frustrating about this whole theory is that every argument argument you can make against it, it has a way to debunk that because it's so simple and so straightforward. It's only like four rules and those rules account for every possible argument. Yeah, and it's like a lot of arguments stem from people having different base assumptions, right? And you can get all the way down to these base assumptions that really can't be proven one way or another. Uh, right. And this one, the base assumption is that your memories can be trusted as a as something that can be cited for evidence. Yeah. Uh, and you can't really prove that one way or the other. You just have to either believe that to be so or not. Uh, so for So for that person, they just can't, reconcile this theory because for them that that's the proof but the theory is saying no the memories themselves were created on oh. thursday which is a really weird and abstract concept to try to explain to someone who doesn't get it intuitively and that's kind of why it works so well though i mean i explained this theory in two full sentences but i mean it's not like all two sentence theories will work they the people who came up with this came up with a theory that if you put it entirely on its own just to the side right there and say hey we have this theory almost nothing works against it other than just the idea of disbelief do you want to know where it comes from yeah what's the origin of this is it someone who was really really bitter about creationism and wanted to make their own version of the flying spaghetti monster kind of this theory came out with a man named bertrand russell in 1921 who said there's no logical impossibility in the hypothesis that the world sprang into being five minutes ago exactly as it then was with a population that remembered a wholly unreal past 
There is no logically necessary connection between events at different times. Therefore, nothing that is happening now or will happen in the future can disprove the hypothesis that the world began five minutes ago. That's, it's a pretty like, it's an almost spiritual idea being explained in a scientific way. And it's frustrating because you know that this guy would not be fun to hang out with. <laughs> right? Yeah, he's taking like this cool, like, we're all living in the Matrix, bro, like mind-bending moment and turning it into this like courtroom, cold, calculated argument, sucking all the fun out of it. But he's also the first person that kind of created this idea. So the frustrating thing is that this guy, who definitely was a philosophy major in your dorm that you just could not get along with, is coming up with this idea that, hey, you can't prove the Earth wasn't created five minutes ago. This guy who we can take the existing evidence and prove that he was a philosophy major who was not taken seriously and is now taking it out on you. But the reason Thursday was selected is more interesting to me. Uh, so the reason Thursday was selected for the scapegoat of this mystery is in 1992, there was a Usenet group called Talk.Origins who responded to an apocalyptic theory that the world would end on a specific Wednesday at 10 o'clock p.m. They responded a couple days later with this saying, since there appears to be a world in existence now, the entire universe must have therefore been recreated complete with an apparent history last Thursday, which is a completely different theory. I would have guessed that Thursday is great for what this theory and what this joke, maybe not calling it, like this idea, this concept that it was just created on a random weekday. Because Thursday is the most like flavorless, bland work day. So it, it just last Thursday is so casual and innocuous. Is that the right vocab word? Yeah, I mean... Let's take a quick sidebar and argue which day of the week is the most forgettable. It's either Tuesday or Thursday, right? Well, Tuesday was the most forgettable, and that's why they put the tacos there. So now it's Thursday. It's got to be Thursday because Monday's got Garfield, Tuesday's got Taco, Wednesday's got Hump Day, Friday's got, well, TGI Friday, Saturday's got Cartoons, and Sunday's got Jesus. Right. So it's got to be Thursday. Thursday has chronic fatigue syndrome. Like Thursday is the day where it's, you're just tired from the work week and it's not Friday. Thursday's the day when you think, oh, it's Friday. And then you get into the office and think, oh, I'm gonna die. <laughs> Thursday is the day of shattered dreams, but new realities. So the community of this Usenet group called Talk Origins bonded together to create the church of last Thursday. Okay, which come on. Which has a website you can check out. And Asher, I'd encourage you to do so at lastthursday.org. Last-thursday.org. Oh, man. Couldn't get, couldn't get it without the dash. And the whole idea of this is we haven't talked about one of these in a while, but it's basically an insanely quick HTML. Although it actually looks like this is done by Google Sites. So I bet they just didn't even go to the effort of coding it. They just put it there. Oh, man. It's the return of our segment. Uh, that never got a catchy name about the credibility of a theory being inversely proportional to how shitty the website is. Uh, their contact info is great because it says the Church of Last Thursday is the largest organization in the world. It includes everyone but you. You can email any of us asking for information, but many of us are programmed to pretend not to know who or what you are talking about. 
If you have a question or comment, you can ask the owners of this site at everyone.else at last-thursday.org. You can, there, you can like hear the fedora that this guy is wearing as he types this. Basically, the premise of this is that it's not really, it's not really the exact same theory because what this is, is this presupposes that anyone reading this created the world last Thursday and are the only ones on the world, but you are cre you created the world by yourself as a test for yourself. I'll read like the quick, the quick summary that they have on the homepage. We, the Last Thursdayists, followers of Last Thursdayism, members of the Church of Last Thursday, believe, one, that the universe was created on Thursday and will expire on Thursday. Two, that the universe was created by you as a test for yourself. Three, that you will be rewarded or punished when this universe expires based on your actions here. Four, that left-handedness is a sinful temptation. Five, that everyone but you is placed here and pre-programmed to act as parts of your test environment. And six, that everyone but you knows this. There's a little too much to unpack there. There's a lot of old philosophical panic attacks happening in those few bullet points. And so this is where the last Thursdayism theory steps away for me. And I think that's why I keep trying to clarify that this is taking it to be something different because what I've viewed last Thursdayism since I started looking it up around the dawn of the universe is the idea that the universe was created last Thursday with the appearance of being billions of years old. And that's it. Not that it ends next Thursday and not that it's just for me, but this theory on the church of last Thursday is a decent amount different. And it, is a lot easier to debunk because you and I are talking about it right now as something we have just discovered. And the sixth point in this theory is that everyone but you knows this. I mean, it's kind of an amalgamation of like, I just watched the Truman Show. I just watched The Matrix. I just read about this flying spaghetti monster and it's the funniest thing I've ever heard of. It's kind of compiling yeah. all those things together. And trying to add it on top of this theory that already makes sense as a good, dumb theory. But yeah, it's very much the uh, the HTML kind of chaos that I want to come up with a name for and for some reason cannot. Uh, this is sort of a restatement of metaphysical solipsism. Uh, yeah, and I stuttered a little bit reading that because I'm reading it right off of Rational Wiki. Uh, but that's the position that I am the only person who exists and has ever existed. And epistemological solipsism is the, psych uh, the philosophical viewpoint that nothing can be proven beyond the existence of the self. So this is kind of the, the memification of that epistemological solipsism. Yeah. Gotta throw in one $10 word every podcast. By the way, I had the proper usage of innocuous, so that's two points for me. Can you define innocuous? Because I genuinely don't know what it means. Just non-threatening. Okay. Like yeah. it's innocuous, it's it's tame, it's bland, it's non-threatening. So Thursday's cool. pretty innocuous. Yeah, you're right. So yeah, that's all I've got for the idea that the Earth was created, I mean, four days before we recorded this. Whoever knows how many days before you found it. Well, I can't prove that you're wrong, although I can prove with me being myself and believing only in the existence of self that uh, my brain is melting and I have steam pouring out of my ears from all of this existential reflection. So uh, I could really go for, uh, I could go for some recreation and I could 
definitely stand to cool off a little bit. It's okay. been a little while, but what do you say you and I gear up and hit the Snopes? That sounds delightful. Dun, dun, dun. Insert jingle here. Well, after all that hard work, I say that we should have a little game, Jackson. A little game, Asher. What's great about Snopes is that you can search through all of the stories with lots of different specific criteria. Uh, We've stated before that we've been doing a little bit less of this segment because 95% of Snopes for the past few years is just articles that start with, did Trump? And then Mm. something insane after that. So finding something fun on Snopes is getting a little bit harder with every passing moment. But you can also search specifically by true and false. And uh, you would think that those would be the only two categories. There's also mostly true, mostly false, uh, mixed, unproven, etc. So a hard line true and false. Uh, You can probably already guess what the game is going to be. I'm going to tell you two stories one being absolutely false, one being absolutely true, and you have to guess which is which. Okay. Kind of, yeah. kind of two truths and a lie, but I didn't bother to look up two truths. It's just one truth and one lie. Okay, go on. One of these is seemingly innocuous, and now you know what Good that word, word means. You, can, you, can, you don't even have to use context clues. We've all learned it together. And one is a lot more serious, but which one is true? Is one of them just trying to induce panic? In mothers, I'm talking about hair grooming syncope, first of all. Uh, syncope just being the fancy word for fainting. Uh, hair grooming syncope, supposedly a type of seizure that happens within certain, like a rare condition in little girls when they have their hair brushed or curled at a salon that causes them to pass out. It's rare, but it's a serious condition. Uh, Is that true or is it something else that's causing these girls to faint? Secondly, if you're out of a microwave, but you want some deliciously popped popcorn, deliciously popped, not a slogan that's going to catch on for Orville Redenbacher, you can just use a little bit of a elementary school science project. It's not very complicated. You just have to generate heat because that's all it takes to make a popcorn kernel pop. You can use a battery, a pickle, and an iPhone charger cord. A little more details on both before you make your decision. There's a video for the popcorn popping uh, solution is maybe even a strong word, but if you want if you want an alternative method of making a salty snack, there's a video that comes from Lad Bible, which that name is already kind of a strike against, but they, but they could just be showing a science fair project. Uh, I mean, you can use, like, you you can make batteries with, like, potatoes, right? Or a pickle, because you just need something that can be a conductive material. Uh, there's a video showing a unknown narrator. It's like one of those tasty vids that pops up on Facebook where you just see someone's hands, and it's showing you how to make a, an easy recipe in five minutes. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah. Uh, so if you're in a situation where you have a double-A battery, a juicy pickle and an iPhone charger, but somehow not a microwave, you can insert the battery <laughs> into the pickle and then the charger in the charger also into the pickle, okay? So you have this like this co- this connection that is like conductive of electricity. 
Uh, there's also a bowl and some salt and some oil and water involved, uh, not included in the ingredients. Uh, you can put that charge into a bowl of microwave, even though it's pretty unsafe, but that generates enough heat that you can get some of the popcorn kernels to pop. Not very thorough, but it will at least generate enough heat that some of them pop. And it looks like from the video, some of them maybe burn. Uh, the other one, hair grooming syncope, while it does have a fancy sciencey sounding name, it sounds uh, pretty ridiculous when you actually hear what, what the cause is. And that being that we don't really know. We just kind of have anecdotal stories of moms who are like combing their daughter's hair and then she gets nauseous and her lips turn blue and she almost throws up and then passes out and they rush her to the hospital. Uh, a warning to mothers everywhere there is a condition called hair grooming syncope that for some reason, a specific, this specific stimulation of having your hair brushed activates a form of a seizure. And it is a really rare neurological disorder that makes it really difficult for some girls to have personal hygiene. Hmm. So which one's true? Is, is it possible that you can pass out just from brushing your hair or can you pop at least a few kernels of popcorn with a pickle, a battery, and an iPhone cord. I kind of want to say neither is true. No, I, I wouldn't trick you like that. One of these is true, one of these is false. I think the hair is true. Insert fanfare here because you are correct, sir. Hey, There is an extremely rare neurological disorder that, uh, although this, this mother's Facebook post doesn't mention it, it also affects boys as well. Just boys in general have a like have less hair grooming routines. Uh, but yeah, some children have a neurological disorder that there is a, a specific stimulation on the scalp that will trigger a seizure. Uh, it's unbelievably rare. Uh, I think there's only 111 cases of it, just like documented ever. 78% uh, were girls. Again, my theory is that like literally girls that just brush their hair more often than young boys do because you usually just cut it short so you don't have to deal with it as a parent. Uh, it's yeah. especially, that also is backed up by the fact that in all the cases of boys experiencing hair grooming syncope, it's during a haircut. Uh, mm. But uh, it seems as though it's not lethal. You just need to be, and it's not really, uh, and I'm, I'm unsure if these kids are expected to grow out of it. It's only a recently documented phenomenon. Probably most parents just thought like, oh, they have, they're, they're throwing a fit and they have low blood sugar or something. Like you, you would never connect brushing hair to a sudden seizure. But uh, there right. is a direct connection there. Popcorn popping with a pickle and a AA battery and an iPhone cord is absolutely BS. Uh, although there is a bit of genius going on here, if you see the Lab Bible video, uh, there is no editing. There's no after effects being applied to have this video of this guy dunking an iPhone charger into a bowl of unpopped corn. He shakes it around a little bit and then pop popcorn emerges out of nowhere. There's no editing there. It's actually just a really simple trick that I'm a little embarrassed I didn't think of. The heavier kernels want to fall to the bottom of the bowl. So there is pop popcorn underneath the popcorn kernels. And as he shakes the bowl, 
the kernels rise, the, the popcorn rises to the top and the kernels fall to the bottom. So magically pop popcorn appears in the bowl, even without any sort of like editing. So he could literally just shake the bowl and the same effect would happen. That's pretty clever. The, the I mean, the, the real, what should have been the red flag is that this is happening with a double A battery and a double A battery doesn't produce nearly enough heat in <laughs> any circumstance to heat up a kernel to the point that it needs to have sufficient pressure to erupt. Right. Uh, but even if this did work, there's never a situation where you have a pop, uh, you have popcorn, a battery, a pickle, and an iPhone charger, and not a microwave. If anything, you should just too. save that dill pickle till after you've popped the popcorn and make yourself some dill popcorn. It'd be a waste to jam a Duracell in there. <laughs> Pretty bad, yeah. Okay, that's all I got. That's a fun one. Uh, we used to be like, whoosh, we've reached the bottom of the slope. That was so much fun. Uh, but if anything, we're not improv actors. So I can't really sell the scene. I don't know. I think we still can pretend that we are at the bottom of a slope because we started off saying we're hitting Snopes. Okay, well, <laughs> that's me wiping the snow off my goggles. <laughs> I couldn't see. Asher, I think I broke my ankle again. Oh, no. That's me pretending I broke my ankle again. And that is why I don't ski, even though I live in Utah, because I am afraid of breaking any bone ever again. Yes, and I also broke my ankle. I learned that from a book about improv. Nice. You're using the tests we learned from Steve Martin's Skillshare class. I took Steve Martin's Skillshare class, and all I learned was how to play banjo. I took Steve Martin's Skillshare class, and all I learned was how to continue being bad at Banjo-Kazooie. <laughs> that joke will apply and hit for maybe just Ash. <laughs> but that's why we're doing this show together. Uh, I think that's all we do, though. Uh, or that's all we got for this theory. I'll say that's all we do later. Well, we don't have to pretend to enjoy the Hit the Snopes theme song because that jingle is a bop, and we always appreciate Connor Voigt for writing that for us and allowing us to use it on the show. And we also want to thank Glimroll for the use of our theme song, which is off the album Burn of Proof. It's called Threadbare. You can find that at glimrollmusic.com or Spotify, iTunes, any place that streams music. Also check out his new-ish EP. It's a couple months old now, but uh, still deserves as many plays as possible because it's fantastic. It genuinely slaps so hard. But yeah, if you want to follow us on our social media, we're getting better at it slowly, posting on there regularly to tell you at least what each episode is that's coming out and news about other stuff we're doing, news about what's going on, news about if we have a weird week off. Uh, check it out. It's Our Instagram is Strictly Confidential Show and our Twitter is S Confident Show. And then if you want to send us anything, you can send us videos that you think we'd enjoy. You can send us theories you want us to talk about. You can send us... Other podcasts that might be similar to ours that we could listen to, I guess. Uh, yeah. Or if we, like, misquote something, you're a member of the Church of Last Thursday and you want to tell us why the universe was created by me, go for it. Our email is strictlyconfidentialshow at gmail.com. If you would like to argue with me about the pros and cons of a CRT versus a PVM for retro gaming, I would definitely love to have you over to my house. But if you want to be on the show, you should talk about some kind of conspiracy or some kind of paranormal event. 
If you do have one of those that you're passionate about, we'd love to have you. And we occasionally do interview episodes. So reach out to us and we'll uh, see if we can make that happen. Also, Absolutely. if you have a best friend, someone you get along particularly well with, tell them to listen to this show. You like this show. And if you're the kind of person who enjoys this program, your best friend probably is too. Word of mouth is absolutely the best way for anything to grow. It's the gold mine of marketing and it would be very appreciated. Yeah. Well, I think that's all we do. I think that's all we do. Well, I've been Jackson. And I've been Asher. This has been Strictly Confidential. And as always, see you next Thursday. Or will I? I was going to say, or will I? <laughs> That's fine. <laughs> <laughs>